0: Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you guys this morning. It's a blessing to get to be here. Thank you. All right. Well... I think I'm going to pray too. So let's just pray one more time. Father God, Lord, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to come together in your name. Lord, I thank you for the body of Christ. And Lord, I just pray that you would completely just have your way this morning. Lord, I pray that whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, Lord, Father, I pray that that would take place. Lord, I thank you that we're not here uh, for a show or a production, Father God, but we're here to meet with you. We're here to, be, to encounter you, Father God. We're here to have our lives changed, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would shape us and mold us into the men and women of God that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well. Um, some of you know me from camps and uh, I've been blessed to be at Kids Quest and Emerge for several years and absolutely love the Alpha camps. I have served in different camps uh, over the years and by far the Alpha camps that Pastor Jason and Joy um, put together and that so many of you help with are the best camps I have ever been to, absolutely Um, life-changing, God-meeting, and lives are completely changed every year at camp. It's really, really amazing to, uh, to get to go and be a part of that. And want to tell you, man, Jessica and I, this is my lovely wife, Jessica. Uh, We absolutely love Pastor Jason and Joy. They are amazing. I consider them friends and uh, really, really appreciate their their impartation in our life, their friendship, uh, their relationship. And I really appreciate Pastor Jason's um, allowing us to come today and to be with you. And thank you for the opportunity to come and be with you this morning. And Jessica, can you come up here with me for a second? She didn't know I was going to ask her to do that, so, you know. And this is our our newest little one, little Miss Mercy. And so this is our fourth baby. Um, but... Uh, I'm going to talk for a second about uh, something that's going on in our life, and then we're going to get into the Word this morning. But the Lord has led my wife and I. We have served in Huntsville, Alabama, at a church called Faith Chapel for about seven years now. been very blessed to be there. Uh, I have been the children's pastor there, the um, associate pastor, the youth pastor, the college-age pastor, and anything else that needed to be done, um, the Lord has allowed us to get to do. And it's it's been absolutely wonderful wonderful and we love faith chapel we love huntsville huntsville is a great city um but uh, right after we began to be a part of the alpha conference of churches which is how uh, the church where we're at has relationship with life change um i was at a meeting and it was mentioned planting a church in mobile alabama and this was years ago and when that was mentioned i believe the holy spirit put it in my heart that i was going to plant that church one day And I was like, "Ah, I don't know. And so we kind of put that on the back burner and we just served where the Lord had us at that time and served with our whole heart. And we have loved Faith Chapel. And in more recent years, the Lord really brought that to the forefront of our heart and our mind and really began to tell us, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to plant a church. And really began to impart the importance and the need for church planting in the United States. Um, I don't know if you know, but churches are dying way faster than they're being planted. And COVID dramatically accelerated um, that statistic. Where there were a lot of churches that were meeting that were maybe just a group of um, older people getting together and hadn't reached a younger generation. Um, When COVID hit, those churches aren't opening up their doors again many of them and so in the united states where for many many years this has been a christian nation um, we're really living in a post-christian age in the united states and we need churches planted we need the gospel to go forward um, and so God has called Jessica and I, my wife, um, to go to Mobile, Alabama and plant a church. And I really, um, just being transparent, I really kept asking, Lord, are you sure? Because just to be honest, there's a lot of churches in Mobile. There's some really great churches in Mobile. And I'm not wanting to go there and take anybody away from another church. I hope that people that are at a church stay in that church and are, are serve there faithfully. Um, but I, I believe the Lord showed us A mission field there that is not reached and begin to show us where we need to be and what we need to do. And so we are going to be going to Mobile to plant a church. And one of the things we're doing right now is we're raising funds to be able to plant that church. Um, and so we've been going around I've been preaching at a few different churches and our current church is supporting us in that Um, but it's not a mega church like Church of the Highlands that can just send a whole bunch of people to a location and immediately have a church Um, and so um, Faith Chapel is supporting us and being extremely generous but we are also raising funds Um, and so we have some t-shirts for sale we have some support cards um, because we're really going in a missionary fashion there is no building there there is no congregation there that we're taking we're going there to uh plant a fresh church to the glory of god to reach people and god willing that church will be sending a whole bunch of teens and kids to kids quest and emerge um, sooner than later god willing and we're really excited about that um but if the lord would lay it on your heart maybe afterwards if you want to uh you could talk with us about uh partnering with us and praying with us one thing we really need more than anything is prayer partners Uh, We need prayer support in this. And we're really excited about planting a church um, and God using us in that. But we need a lot of prayer. We need a lot of support. I was excited as uh, we've been receiving coaching from Rick Fountain in the Alpha Conference. One of the number one things they want you to do is have at least 10 prayer partners before you plant that are committed to pray for you weekly. Um, Because how many of you know when you go to plant a church, uh, you're really entering a spiritual warfare, a spiritual battlefield. Um, and the enemy, that's the last thing he wants to see is another healthy church planted in the United States. And so uh, we're really excited to go do this, but we need prayer and support. And so as the, if the Lord lays it on your heart, we'd love to talk to you about this later. Um, and thank you, baby. So just wanted to share a little bit of what's going on in our life, um, what the Lord is doing. And we're really excited about what the Lord is doing. Um, but today the title of the message that the Lord gave me is one more, just one more. And y'all know that the word says that if you were the only person, you were the only person that would get saved from the death, burial, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he still would have come. If you were the only person, and that that hits me in the heart, if I was the only person that was going to get saved, that Jesus still would have come, still would have had his flesh torn off, still would have died on the cross, and still would have rose from the dead for my salvation. He truly does leave the 99 to go after the one. He is the good shepherd. And Jesus cares so very much about you and I. He cares so much about us. Let's look at a piece of scripture. This is going to be a familiar scripture for many of us. um, But this is John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Amen. And that's so powerful that scripture right there, because there it talks about salvation and condemnation. And it, it, there it's talking about the fact that God loves the world, not just me and you, but God loves the entire world. God loves every person on the planet. So many times when we look at a globe, when we think about the planet, we see countries, right? We can see that globe in our mind and we can see the outline of the United States and Canada and Mexico, Central America, South America, the Middle East, um, the, uh, Asia, Europe. Africa we can look at the map and we see the outline of all the countries. But I want to tell you when God looks at the world, he sees one world. He sees one group of people. He sees his world. He sees his people. He's not he's not so concerned with our little drawings and our little maps of this group of people and that group of people. He sees his world, his people, and he came to die and save his people. Amen. And God loves us. He loves you so much. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you could be free from your sins, set free from your sins, have a clear conscience, and have a good, right relationship with our Heavenly Father. That we could have joy and peace and love in our life. That we could be His people. And Jesus came and He died for us so that we could serve Him. But then God did what I think is one of the most incredible intense serious crazy things ever he entrusted that message to you and i he came and saved the whole world and then he entrusted that message to us to go and tell people that he has come and saved the world and he said people can't get saved until they know about jesus and they're not going to get saved until you tell them oh my gosh that's so intense That he would say, listen, I came and I saved the entire world, and you got to tell him. I just, uh, this last Tuesday, was having a conversation with a young man. He grew up in an interesting situation. His mom was Seventh-day Adventist, and his dad was Muslim. And so that was the home that he grew up in, and so his dad was a devout Muslim, and his mom was a very devout Seventh-day Adventist, and so he grew up with this understanding of of, uh, Muslim teachings in Allah, and also um, some Christian teachings in Jesus. And so him and I are having an interesting conversation, and I asked him, well, where are you at? And he said, well, I I identify as Christian, I consider myself a Christian, but I also believe that God can show up to people as, as Allah and that people can have a revelation of God as Allah, and my cousins have had experiences, and I think that that can happen sometimes. And so we were discussing that. And I began to share with him that if you believe in Jesus, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There is no other way. And, and then he began to share with me a really uh, an intense question for us as believers to grapple with, if God is so loving, if God is so good, then why would He allow somebody that's in, a, in another country that has never had the opportunity to hear the message of Jesus Christ, or maybe in the United States and has never heard the message of Jesus Christ, never really had the opportunity to hear it and reject it, why would He allow them to go to hell? And we've been talk about that. And one of the things that I begin to to share with him and I begin to really see in my own life, so many times as believers, we're so selfish because we hold this salvation message so close because we're afraid of what somebody's going to think about us. We're afraid of what somebody's going to say about us. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of being that Jesus freak. Or or we use this, this excuse because I've used it more times than I can count. I'm an introvert. I'm just I'm just an introvert. I'm not that outgoing personality person. You know, I would rather be alone in the woods hiking or hunting or doing something like that. You know, being that big boisterous person that just goes and talks to everybody. That's not me. Um, We're going to leave that for the evangelist. And so many times we have the message of salvation inside of us, but we, for some reason, will not allow that message to come out and that message to go forward and for somebody to hear the word of the Lord. How many of you all know in Greenville, Alabama, just like Huntsville, just like probably the whole state of Alabama, where there's churches everywhere, there are people right around here that have never heard an adequate presentation of the gospel. They've never heard, they know, they've seen the cross, they've seen the cross around, they know Christians believe in Jesus, but they have never heard an adequate demonstration and presentation of the gospel. They don't know what he's doing in somebody's life. They've seen a lot of sitcoms and a lot of movies where it shows Christians for being hypocrites. They've gone to work and seen some Christians that went to church on Sunday and had an affair on Monday, and and they've seen that, but they don't. Know the goodness of our God. They need us. They need us. It's intense. It's heavy, but it's so good because we get to be that light. God gives us the opportunity to be that light. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. God said I'm going to empower you. I'm going to empower Josh to go and be my light and to spread the light and to tell people about the goodness of our God, to tell people this message of salvation, to bring people to a place of salvation. But so many times we're so quiet. We're so comfortable. We're so afraid of being uncomfortable. In the United States, I think one of the number one things we worship is comfort. We love our lazy boy. We love our reclining couch or our sectional couch. We love our 65 inch HD TV that we can watch anything we could dream on. And we love our comfort. But God is calling us to get uncomfortable. A a part of what Jessica and I are doing, uh, my dad currently is the pastor at Faith Chapel. My brother goes to church at Faith Chapel. We got a lot of wonderful relationships there. And we are becoming very uncomfortable. We are completely stepping out of our comfort zone to go plant this church and we are praying and interceding and please pray with us for a great harvest of souls. Not that we can brag how big this church plant is but so that many, many people can get saved. But we are called, we are called to be God's mouthpiece. It's a special thing that he has entrusted us with this message. Matthew, uh, if my computer will work right, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus said, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. A couple things I want to point out in this scripture. Number one, Jesus said, hey, guys, guess what? All authority, all of the authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All of it. I mean, that's an intense statement. Every bit of authority in heaven throughout the entire galaxy, all of the authority has been given to me. Therefore, you go, and guess what? I'm going to be with you always, even to the very end of the age. So what is Jesus saying there? He's saying, listen, you've got the greatest backup you can ever imagine. You're not going alone. It's not in your power. It's not in your strength. It's not in your courage. It's not in you. But I have all the power. I have all the authority. I have everything you need, and I'm backing you up 100%. So when you go, you have the greatest backup you can ever imagine. I'm right there with you. i got your back. And then Jesus says this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One thing I believe for the U.S., and I, want you, I love the United States. I want to see the United States loving God. I want to see revival sweep across this nation like never before. A revival that has nothing to do with any individual church, but a revival that has to do with the Holy Spirit sweeping across this nation like never before in a mighty outpouring of His Spirit. Amen. But so many times we have taken the easiest way out possible for evangelism. See, what he said here is, he said, go and make disciples. And we've gotten really, really good at going making converts. Go and make Sunday morning attenders. And he never, Sunday morning attendance, even though it's great, I fully believe in the body of Christ and the assembling together, the ecclesia. That's what we're called to do. But Sunday morning attendance is not the pinnacle of Christianity or of following Christ or of being... He wants us to be fully devoted disciples. A disciple is somebody that's walking in his footsteps. We're called to walk in the very footsteps of Jesus. And then we are supposed to go and grab somebody and walk and help them begin to walk with God. And we're supposed to take them and we're supposed to make a disciple... And we got used to taking a track and leaving a track at a restaurant. Or I've been in a, in a truck stop using the restroom and sitting right there above where I was using the restroom with some tracks somebody had left. And I'm not knocking that. I'm not knocking them. But so many times we have taken the least confrontational, the least personal, sacrificial way possible. When Jesus has called us to pick up a cross and lay down our life, we've said, what is the least sacrificial way I can go about trying to tell somebody about Jesus? But he said, go and make a disciple. And I want to challenge us in this, in, in what, we're, what we're called to do. It's not about just going and getting somebody to say our sinner's prayer one time. We have an anorexic church in the United States. A um, malnourished church in the United States because so many people have not been discipled. They've heard the bare minimum. They've heard the gospel. They've heard that Jesus loves them, that he died on the cross, and that's great, that's important, that's true. But they haven't learned how to follow him. They haven't learned how to walk in His footsteps. They haven't learned how to access His power that He promised us in Matthew 28. And we are called, all of us, not the preacher, not the evangelist, not the prophet, not the apostle. They are called to equip the church to go and make disciples. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Yes, Lord, give us your power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So God has entrusted the message of salvation to us and God has armored us and equipped us and enabled us if we'll receive his armor to go and share that message. I believe many, many times we we think about the armor of God and we think about our protection. We think about the fact that the enemy, that it will extinguish every flaming arrow that the enemy sends at us, that we are guarded and we're protected from the attack of the enemy. Yet we don't realize that we are called to be an offensive force. We, we need to be on the offense, not just on the defense. We need to be taking land, taking ground, taking uh, souls for the kingdom of God, going and leading people to the Lord. And we are equipped with offensive weapons, number one being the word of God. I love it that when David stood against the great Goliath, Goliath, who was at least nine foot tall, who had been a warrior since he was a boy, who was a great man of war, and little David went and stood in front of him with his little slingshot. He didn't say, hey, guess what, Goliath? I've been training with this slingshot since I was a kid. I'm so good with this slingshot. I can hit. I can knock a bird out of the air. I'm amazing with this slingshot. David said, you come at me. With sword and spear and javelin. But I come at you in the name of the Lord of the God of hosts. That's what his bragging point was. That's what his confidence was in. Is what he was coming at in. And right here in verse 15 it says, With, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We've got to go after people, y'all. We got to get out of our comfort zone. I, I totally understand being apprehensive about it. I am, I really am an introvert, I really am, I have to pray and ask God to help me, help me be bold, help me, you know, talk to people, I really have to pray and ask Him for that help, ask Him for that boldness, um, because very much, man, growing up I used to go into the woods, we lived it way out in the country, way, way out in the country, like you couldn't get good internet out in the country, um, like you had one bar of you know, reception out in the country, I mean, and just fields, and I would just go get, lost in the woods and i had the dog he was the best dog in the world he'd stay right next to me and that was that was heaven for me just me my dog and the woods it was perfect and i'll never forget i was out in the woods one day and i'm walking around and i would carry a bible with me and i'd climb up in a tree and read the bible and i'm out in the woods one day and i heard it was one of the few times i felt like i very close to heard the audible voice of god and he said joshua you're not allowed to be quiet it was like this really intense, like, like daddy's getting on to you, almost rebuke moment. And he said, Joshua, you're not allowed to be quiet. Because I, I was really quiet. I did not talk much at all. And he said, Joshua, you're not allowed to be quiet. And it was this moment where I knew God was saying, I need you to speak up. I need my people to speak up. I remember I was when I was a kid one time, we were in this big revival service. And God gave me a vision of a group of people that were fully fitted with armor, fully suited for the battle, but were hiding behind a white picket fence. And he was like, that's my church. We have got to go, and we have got to get people. We need the passion and drive and desire, and I believe it comes out of a heart of love for people. When we look at somebody in the grocery store, when we look with somebody and in anywhere we go at work, at our business, are we moved with compassion and love for them and say, man, I wonder if they know Jesus. I wonder if they know him. Can I ask you, has Jesus made a real tangible difference in your life? I'm I'm really asking, has Jesus made a real tangible difference in your life? If you'd say, no, that's okay. You can be honest. If you say, I really haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen God make a difference. But has Jesus made a real tangible difference in your life? See, I've gotten to relate to people whose family situations where God was nowhere involved in the mix. And then I've gotten to relate to families that were fully devoted to God and attended church on Sunday and loved God. And it's amazing the difference you can see where this family that doesn't have God, there's all this chaos, turmoil, bickering, hatred, even within the family unit. And then this family over here where God is all up in the mix and God is helping and there's this love and compassion. And and there's trials and tribulations over there too, but God is helping work those things out and work those things through. That's just one of the miracles I've seen of God do. When I met Jessica, if she walked for too long, her her ankle would swell up big as a softball. Extremely painful. She got prayed for one time. Her ankle is never swollen again. She had very serious asthma when we first got together. God has healed her of that. My second to youngest, this is my youngest now, my second to youngest that's in Children's Church right now, she had extreme allergies when she was an infant. She was so young, they had to order a very special EpiPen for her. And the doctor told us if she gets anywhere near eggs or anywhere near a cat, it could kill her. You've got to keep her away from eggs, you've got to keep her away from a cat. And she was allergic to like everything. She was allergic to the earth pretty much. And it was like really intense. I'm serious. Like she was just allergic. And and it was real serious. We had an EpiPen for her, but we kept praying. And we kept praying and when we took her to the um the allergist, she was covered from head to toe in purple whelps and hives as an infant. And her skin was peeling off. It was it was real serious. It was real sad and and we took her to the allergist they ran they ran the tests on her and they were like listen you're going to be very careful with us and the allergist stressed this to us they said listen this is the kind of allergy you don't outgrow at this level with her level of allergy she's going to carry this through her through her adult life you're going to have to help her when she goes to school you're going to need to make sure that everybody knows how to use the epi pen she can't eat anything with eggs in it very very serious well we kept praying A year later, we took her back to the allergist. No hives, no nothing. They tested her, completely healed. Completely healed. She was slightly allergic to what? She had a slight, very slight allergy to dairy. God showed up. I have seen God show up so many times. So many times where I've trusted him and put my faith in him, and he has shown up. And it's not that he loves me any more than he loves anybody else. My uncle was clinically blind from diabetes. He had lost his sight. They had to order him this massive computer that would superimpose the letters, make them like this big. And he was legally blind. And we prayed for him for years to be healed. And he was at a Bible college one day and some some people in the Bible college anointed him, laid hands on him and his eyesight was completely restored. Actually, it was better than mine and I was like, come on, Lord. Um, (laughs) And he was completely healed. His eyes were completely restored. He was driving around without glasses after that. And God showed up. We serve a good God, y'all. We serve a good God, a God that loves us, a God that cares for us, a God that is there for us in every aspect, not just in healing. I could go on for days talking about the financial miracles God has made for Jessica and I because when we chose to be full-time in ministry, we, we stepped out in faith, and God has made a way where there seemeth to be no way many, many, many times. I want to talk for just a minute about a man by the name of Desmond Doss. How many of you, have any of you seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge? Hacksaw Ridge? All right. I I love a good war movie that has a really good story attached to it. And there is a movie called Hacksaw Ridge, and it's about this young man by the name of Desmond Doss during World War II. And he was a conscientious objector. He was also a Seventh-day Adventist, and he believed that, you know, Saturday was the Sabbath, very, very devout in his faith. Extremely devout in his faith. And but he saw World War II, he knew that he believed that the war was just. He, he believed that the battle was just, but he believed he could not take a life. And so he enlisted into the military as a conscientious objector, when he could have just um, avoided the whole thing altogether, as a conscientious objector and not been a part of it. He joined the military and he went to war. And he went through absolute turmoil during his time in basic training, during his time being trained in how to, how to go to battle and everything like that. His company hated him. So much so that one of the same people in his company, one of the other men in his company said, Hey, Desmond, you don't have to worry about the enemy. As soon as we get out on the battlefield, I'm going to shoot you. They hated him. They beat the snot out of him. He was absolutely tormented by his company. They absolutely hated him because where they got Sundays off, he got Saturdays off. And they didn't get to see the extra work that they made him do on Sundays. They saw all of these different things about him, and they really hated that he wouldn't pick up a weapon, really hated him for it. And so he went through absolute turmoil and basic training, but he made it through basic training. He made it in as a medic. He became a medic, and they went to war. And then uh, when they went to war, he was on the eastern front, and they had to take an island. And there was a spot called Hacksaw Ridge. And what I could see was this ridge was somewhere between 350 and 400 feet high. And they had to climb this cargo netting to get up it. And you would climb this cargo netting, and as soon as you get over, the Japanese would begin to shoot at you. It was a very, very bloody, very, very serious situation. And Desmond Doss went up this, without a weapon, without any protection, went up this cargo net with them to take this land. And as they're going... As they're in the middle of this battle, they end up getting overrun by the Japanese. They get bombed by the Japanese. As many of the guys can go back over the edge of the ridge, but there are tons and tons of wounded soldiers everywhere. And Desmond Doss is still up on top of the ridge. I just want to, let's watch this video real quick. one more. Help me get one more. What that didn't show is Desmond Doss on that day saved 75 wounded soldiers and lowered them down over that cliff. The man that everybody thought was a coward, because he wouldn't pick up a gun. The man that his company absolutely hated, because he wouldn't shoot back at the enemy, saved 75 men. I can't imagine that, just taking the weight of one man and lowering lowering them down 400 feet, but times 75 over the course of a night, while there's enemy fire and enemy explosions going on, and he ended up saving 75. And he said later on in his life that his prayer the entire time was, God, let me get one more. And just like he was in the middle of a battle, we're in the middle of a battle. We don't get to see it. Our enemy is a lot more cunning. Our enemy is a lot more slick. Our enemy is a lot more divisive. And we don't see the explosions all around us. But inside of people's lives when we're in Walmart, there's explosions taking place in their life. There's enemy fire happening all around us. We have brothers and sisters in Christ that during 2020, they got tore up by the enemy. And they need us to have that heart cry, God, help me get one more. Help me get one more. We don't have to go do some Billy Graham crusade. I'm happy Billy Graham had those massive crusades. We don't have to do that, though. We just need to have that one more, that one more mentality. Let's have a one more mentality. Let's say, God, help me get one more. Where is the one God that you want me to speak to today? Who is the one person today that I can talk to? That I can build a relationship with, that I can help, that I can support, that I can hold up. They might be wounded. See, a wounded person takes a lot more care than a healthy person. It might take time, it might take investment, it might take personal sacrifice to go and disciple them and help them to follow God and run after God. But we've got to have that one more mentality God, help me get one more. I'm not satisfied. Yeah, I got to pray with some kids at youth camp or kids camp, but God, one more. Help me get one more. Help me to lead one more soul to you because I know that this battle is real. We might not see it in the physical, but in the spiritual, there is a major warfare taking place for people's souls right now. And we are equipped as medics to go in there and save them from the jaws of hell. Reinhard Bonnke said, I want to plunder hell and populate heaven. That's my heart cry. I want to plunder hell and populate heaven. I pray on the day that I die, the devil throws a party because I'm finally out of the fight. Because I'm finally out of the battle. Because he ain't got to put up with me anymore going and stealing away from him those that he thought he had locked down. That he knew that they were going to hell for sure because I've been stealing away from him the whole time. And the whole church needs to get that mentality. God, one more. Help me get one more. And I'm praying, I'm praying for an increase in boldness in my life, an increase in boldness for the entire church, that we would say, it, uh, okay, the, the evangelist might be doing his thing. That's great, but God, who do you have for me? Who do you have for me today? Who can I share the gospel with? Who can I show love to? It might be as simple as baking a pie and taking it to your neighbor and begin to talk to them about the Lord. It might be as simple as you've demonstrated Christ at your workplace and you have, been, you have served and you've been a good employee and just beginning to share with people that you're a believer and do they know Jesus and begin to share with them. I love the statement, preach the gospel at all times, but when necessary, use words. Our life needs to be preaching the gospel even more than our words are. And then when our, we open our mouth, it's that much more Powerful. So I want to encourage you, who is your one more? Who is your one more? Can we do this? Let's close our eyes. And I just want you to ask, your, ask the Lord right where you're at, Lord, who is my one more? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I ask that you would show us right now who you want us to go after. I pray that you would put a picture in our heart, a picture in our mind, an image, Lord, to us, that you would show us who we are called to go and begin to reach. And Lord, I pray right now that you would give us the boldness, the courage, the tenacity to not back down, to not be discouraged, God, but that we would leave rejection behind and choose to go after this person and choose to share the love and the power and the compassion of Jesus Christ with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Last scripture, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 15. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How, then, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God has equipped us, God has empowered us, and God has commissioned us to carry the greatest message that has ever been put on the face of the earth. The greatest message possible, and that is the salvation of our souls and reconciliation to our Heavenly Father. And God has said, I'm calling you to share this message. I'm calling you to be bold. I'm calling you to be a witness. I'm calling you to make disciples. Not just a prayer conversion, but an actual disciple. A statement I used to hear when I was in a, in a discipleship program was, called, was disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. We've got to be a disciple. I want to ask you, how is your walk with the Lord? How are you doing with the Lord? Has it kind of waned? Has it kind of uh, drifted? Would you say, you know, I I really haven't been walking with the Lord? Because kind of like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's kind of our mantra as we go and we begin to reach people. Follow me as I follow him. Follow me so I can get you to begin to follow him. And once you're following him, you can go get somebody to follow him. And when they're following him, they can go get somebody to follow him. Follow me as I follow Christ. How is your relationship with the Lord? Are you encouraged this morning? Are you strengthened in the Spirit this morning? Are you you emboldened? Are you empowered this morning? So I want to do something. If we could have a little bit of music. I totally get um, sometimes, you know, it being difficult to reach out beyond... Uh, ourselves and begin to go and talk to people. You might be like my lovely wife here and be a complete extrovert and talking to strangers doesn't even faze you. Like, I I love that about her. She makes friends like that. It's amazing. But you might say, you know, I I need some boldness. I need some encouragement. I need to hear from the Lord. I I need the Lord's help. Or maybe you would say, I need some encouragement in my faith. My faith hasn't been where I need it to be. My relationship with God is not where I need it to be. And I just want to come alongside of you, and I want to encourage you, and I want to get to pray for you, just as a brother in Christ. And so if you'd say, I would like some, I would like encouragement, I would like boldness in faith to, to go and be a witness, or I need my relationship with God to go to the next level, I want to ask you to just come forward, and I would just like to get to pray with you. And just believe God to do something. Believe God to empower you and to embolden you and to strengthen you to be His witness.